This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org. What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Thursday, everybody. My name is Tyler Walters alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing absolutely wonderful. How about That's you? good, man. <laughs> What'd you say? How about yourself? We're doing. We're making it. It's it's you. You sound you sound like you're doing great. So I mean, <laughs> that's good. You seem a little little hyped up today. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we got some things we didn't get to last week, and then for the show today, we're bringing on our guy Chris Lyles. We had Chris. When did we have Chris on? We had him on a while ago, maybe January uh, or so. Um, right after the All Star game. Okay. Yeah, so January, February, right around, right around there. We'll talk about uh, the last dance with him um, and some other NBA things. There's a couple other NBA things that are actually actually happening. Uh, there's a story about KD out today, so we'll talk about that with him. But um, we'll start. Matthew and I are going to start with with a few college football things. One big thing happened last week we didn't get to. Uh, so we've got the oh. Before we start the show, I guess I should mention this. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Um, and Matthew, at Matt the Chosen One with the number one of myself, at Tyler Walter CNR. But like I was saying, so a couple, something big happened last week in the, in the whole world of college football or collegiate athletics in general that we didn't get to. So the NCAA is taking a step, like they're going to sign into – uh, NCAA law that you can play, you can use your social media as an athlete to sell ads. Um, and what is it? What's the other thing? I got it right pulled up right here in front of me. Yeah, you can do personal appearances, uh, third party endorsements, um, and you can use yourself to market your own business for. For the first time, so the whole name is image likeness things finally has some like set in stone, clear cut things of like, okay, we know that now you're going to be able to uh, link up with a local car dealership and say, get on TV and say, hey, this is Ryan Holinsky. I buy all my cars from um, whatever, love Chevy or whatever the dealership may be. You should go there too, or you'll have people on, you know. Twitter, Instagram, uh, just as pro athletes throw out ads, you'll have collegiate athletes, which I'm, I don't follow that many college athletes. Um, I follow a few here and there, but I can promise you that I'm about to fo- not follow any of them after this, because there will be nothing but ads on Twitter if you're following collegiate athletic athletes. And it's going to be interesting because for people who target that college age group, they'll probably be hitting these guys kind of hard. So let's say like the the product that you're trying to market is like for college students, you know, obviously you have fans, but a lot of other college students will be following these pages and like, they're kind of up with the culture. So, and then I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of these college athletes are kind of already do a very good job of branding themselves. So it's going to be very interesting to see how like if they bring in agents or whatever else they decide to do. And also stuff like autograph signings will now be uh probably paid for, which makes me wonder how they're going to do fan day now. Cause now I'm a player. I might refuse to, uh, do fan day because like yeah y'all not paying me for this I yeah do something. I that's the one thing i do kind of i i hate i think it's kind of scummy when like even pro athletes charge for autographs like, like <laughs> yeah okay i get it if it's like you know like me or you or like someone who's 30 40 50 years old trying to go up for you for an autograph just so they can sell whatever resell it if you want to charge that guy that's fine uh but like if i have i've got a couple of like framed photos of the Carolina National Championship baseball team on my wall. Like, if I wanted those signed, I'd have no problem paying for for those guys. But, like, to go, like, get a football – like, for a six-year-old to go get a football signed, you know, from his favorite football player or whatever, like, you shouldn't be charging for that. So maybe just set, like, an age limit on it. Like, I've always thought it was, like, ridiculous when athletes will, like, charge kids 10 bucks a baseball card to write their name (laughs) on it. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Like, this kid looks up to you. And, you know, he's kind of the reason you are where you are, like people like him and you don't want to do, you can't sign your name on something for him. 
that was a little crazy. But um, but yeah, I'm sure there will be cases like that. I mean, like you said, branding your stuff. We just talked about what was that? Nebraska, who's having this class uh, now for their all of their football players on branding on like how to brand themselves. I think they hired a third party group to come teach them how to brand themselves, and that'll be like a required or not a required, but a, a given class to the football players on how to market their social media um, and themselves. So that'll probably happen all around the country very quickly. Uh, good news is that it's Dabo Sweeney should be retiring any minute uh, because he said he'd leave. He, I think like two years ago, he said he'd leave college football if uh, players started getting paid because that's not, that's not what college football is about or something along those lines. So that's good. <laughs> I mean, I like, just typical, like, ugh, so pissed off with him, like, about just this lack of aware self-awareness he has, just, it baffles me. But whatever. So, you know, a lot of things are changing with, uh, like, with, like, you're going to, like, I just think college campuses aren't going to be the same. I think this is the next big step to college football being the NFL's minor league. I think you, in the future, 15, 20 years down the road, kids aren't going to be required to go to class at all. I think it's going to be you go play for a school and you live at the school, but you don't actually have to go to school and you kind of get paid to go there and you are marketing school instead of the school marketing you. I yeah, think that's what we're changing. I think that's how we're going. Yeah, this is really opening the floodgates up. Like, I mean, as far as sometimes now you're going to have boosters paying guys. Now you already have this thing with the transfer reporter trying to get this one-time rule established so you can transfer one time without having to sit out. Like, college football will probably – I'm not going to say it's going to be completely unrecognizable, but it's going to be very different. And then we're going to at some point be opening this thing up to the college football playoff, having more than four teams. And so college football will not be the same. I guess one could say how at one point how it looked at Reggie Bush and those guys with the BCS format. Now we're in this college football playoff and it'll continue to continue to evolve, but I don't know if it'll be for the better. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure that we're for like my thing. I think we talked about this a while ago, Matthew, but like, I don't have a problem with the basis of this. Like, yeah, like guys should be able to do all of these things, but the reason they weren't allowed to do it for so long is because it, it does – there is a sense of amateurism in collegiate sports. The reason it exists is, like, you represent your school. Like, no one was trying to go pro in 18, you know, 90 when South Carolina and Clemson started football teams, right? They just went to that school and they wanted to play football for their school, so they played each other. I mean, that's obviously very different now. Also, the schools weren't making any money off of those kids playing football. Each other probably cost the schools money. But, like – it's just, I, I don't, I like you lose a lot of the innocence of college football and college athletics in general. Um, and I think for athletic direct, I think for football coaches, you're, you're kind of hyped up. I think athletic directors, you're a little worried because you have a select group of individuals at your school who are going to get paid a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have the other 85% of the athletes who go to, like for Ray Tanner here, like, 80 to 85 percent of the kids who are athletes at this school, no one knows who they are. No one has a clue who they are. You think about how many guys, you know, your your dad knows on the football team, right? Um, you know, like or your your one of your family members or something like some average person who doesn't look into it as much as you and I do, Matthew. Think about how many people they know on the football team, right? They probably know about 20 percent of the football team, maybe 50 percent, some of them. Then you take that and you run it across sports like volleyball, indoor volleyball, uh, beach volleyball, track and field. I don't know a single track athlete here. Um, and, like, you run it across all of those sports, no one knows who they are. So those people are not going to get paid because they don't really do any business, like, that amount of – they're not really bringing their brand up, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say, unless you're – you know, if you're a softball player and you're sitting out front selling, uh, signing autographs all day for kids at a Bernie's Chicken on Bluff Street or Bluff Road, um, you like maybe they'll pay you. But it's just I don't 
I think it's going to hurt a lot more people than it's ever going to help. Yeah, it helped those top – that top echelons, things the word it says. It'll help them a lot, like you said. But those, as far as everybody else, that that top 20% obviously be elevated, but that bottom 80% is just like – I'm not going to say like another day. And then it'll probably suck because, like, you can even say, like, in locker rooms, the division now between the walk-on and the – if I say at Clemson, the walk-on and Trevor Lawrence. Like, now it will be huge. Now, obviously, it depends on the character of the guys, how guys take getting money, because that does bring a big equation into it. But you get an 18-year-old five-star recruit, maybe not the most mature, might throw it in a guy's face a little bit more. It could be a lot of problems. It's really opening the floodgates, and we're just going to have to see uh, how everybody responds. Yeah, you think about, like, you know, um, here, how much is uh, Darius Hutchinson, one of South Carolina's offensive linemen, going to get paid compared to Ryan Olenski, right? Because Ryan Olenski's already got a massive brand, like like bigger than any quarterback I can remember in quite some time, like the way he is around the community and how many people he has met and how many people feel a personal connection to Ryan Olenski. There aren't too many guys like that uh, who have ever been here at the University of South Carolina who have ever been college quarterbacks anywhere he will get paid an astronomical amount compared to uh, his offensive lineman. But, like, because people just don't know them. And yeah. it's not like that's part of being an O-lineman, right? And I'd take being an O-lineman over not playing football. Don't get me wrong. But it's the disparity there is going to – right now it's pretty level. It's like, you know, the quarterback's a little more famous. He gets a little more popularity around campus and whatever. But – then you move that popularity into dollar amounts. Ryan Linsky is going to be living on a different planet than the rest of <laughs> anyone who's on South Carolina's football team. And it, is it deserved? I mean, I don't know. Like, kind of. I guess he's the quarterback. But, like, I, I just think you also open yourself up to a lot of criticism of this. Like, now, you know, you're getting paid by so-and-so – I just – I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of things that kids get wrapped into that they aren't prepared for when they start signing deals because at some point you're going to have to add agents in here. And agents yeah. notoriously screw over professional athletes who are a little bit older and a little more mature and who have had more and more, you know, advisors and family help or whatever than you could, could possibly have at 18, 19. Like, but you're going to have to have agents at some point or you're going to have 18, 19-year-olds – screwing their lives up because they're signing deals that they're not aware how the back end works and through no real fault of their own, they just, you know, just get screwed over by someone selling them on something that isn't what they're told they're getting. I don't know. I think there's just a lot of little things that are going to go wrong with this, but at the same time, it is kind of the right time. These kids make billions and billions of dollars for their schools, their conferences and the NCAA, the NCAA in general, um, and it's about time they see a little bit of that back towards themselves. I, I don't know. And the reason I think the NCAA is all over this and they're kind of allowing this to happen is because it costs the NCAA no money, right? They still keep their billions and billions of dollars. They don't have to pay salaries to players. They don't have to pay anything else to these players. They just allow the players to now go make money on their own uh, instead of like, them having the NCAA having to pay back, you know, what they've got off of these players. So the players are still getting screwed is my point here. Uh, it's just, it's, there's a lot of things going on on a lot of different sides. And I think players are happy. College athletes are happy. And a lot of people are happy in large part that they're allowing them to go out and make their own money. But I think the, the, oh, it's just so many bad things are going to happen. I think players are getting like, you're getting played by the NCAA because they want you to do it because now they don't have to pay anything to you anyway, because this will keep you happy for the next 15, 20 years. And then you're just going to have so many bad de deals going wrong, uh, so to speak, with 18, 19-year-old kids. Yeah, and they can only be expected. And also, uh, it's kind of interesting because, see, now that you see so many social media influencers and things like that, and, I mean, if you want to go as crazy as the OnlyFans account and stuff like that, you're now you're just kind of bringing that into the sport, college sports, which probably will mess with the innocence of the sport because I just can't think of it being kind of how it is now. Like, it, it, there's just something about how it is currently. Obviously, they get stipends and things like that. 
but whenever you start paying guys, like obviously you kind of, like you said, they kind of turn more into the pros. Yeah, I mean, the stipends are – I think a lot of people overlook the stipends. I didn't realize how much money they were until this last year. Yeah. Yeah, for a football player, you're getting paid – like you're getting quite a bit of money for a stipend in your um, – like per, per month just to play football, uh, right? Yeah. And I guess the argument there is, well, you know, a lot of those guys don't go to play school. They go to play ball. That's true for about 10% of the team. Like the rest of those guys versus a regular student, it's you know, they're getting, you know, they're 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 getting stipend. I don't know. I see how students can be pissed off with it too. I like other students are getting um, pissed off with the stipend part of it. I I know for a fact that athletes of other sports are are not happy with the current situation here at this particular university, and it's the same way. And I would probably say at least ninety percent of universities. Probably, Football players get a lot of money for rent or, you know, whatever their bills may be. Um, let's say the beach volleyball team, does, let's say they don't. So, I don't know. It, and maybe this will kind of ease some of that. I, I don't know, man. I really don't know. I think this is the most unpredictable thing that's happened to college athletics maybe ever. Yeah, and then you get into the thing with uh, – uh, uh... Like, I know at Clemson specifically, it used to be the students got uh, free tickets. Now it's a situation you have to pay, like, a student-athlete fee when you're, in fact, to get tickets, when, in fact, like, it's like, yo, so it seems the students there, I'm kind of, like, paying for their stipends. So a lot of people don't appreciate that. But we're going to be we're gonna see what happens, and uh, it's going to be crazy. Ray Tanner definitely has his work cut out for him. Yeah, he absolutely does. All right, we're going to shift gears a little bit now. Chris is in. Chris, what's up? What's up, fellas? What's up? How much? You doing all right? Chilling, man. Can't all right, so we got uh, we got Chris Lyles back on the lead block. Chris, throw your Twitter out there. Uh, Chris Lyles underscore. Okay. All right. At Chris Lyles underscore. Um, like how FS1 has uh, Chris Boussard. We got Chris Lyles. So it's all part of the equation. <laughs> basically the same guy. Um, <laughs> All right, so we're gonna still, we're gonna talk a little basketball. First, first up though, I was kind of not paying attention this morning. Brendan had um first take or something on, and I see that the like the deal with KD is that he might actually end up playing some part of the season if the season does happen, does come back. Do you have you read a lot about this at all, Chris? Uh, I mean, when it first came about, it was, I think it was earlier this year. Um, I think, I think it's a good thing for him. I think he, I feel like he has the right amount of time to kind of heal back up and do his workouts and do all that good stuff. So I'm curious to see what happens. Um, Brooklyn was not the best of teams in the East. So we'll see when he comes back, what that looks like with him. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a win-win for him, right? Because even if he decides not to play, so now with like the season, being extended because of the coronavirus. If he decides not to play, like if he decides not to come back, uh, but there are rumors going on that he might come back, I think Brooklyn fans, like, gives them a little bit of hope. That's like, okay, like, Katie tried to come back, but, like, he just didn't want to push it because of the coronavirus, but he thinks he's 100 Like, he thinks he's almost 100%. Like, I, I don't know. I think if you're a Nets fan, it's got to give you, like, a little bit of hope to bridge the gap between – However, this season's going to end with everything getting realigned um, and your team not being that great. I mean, this was kind of a holdover year for him anyway, just to get to Katie, to get to 2020-2021 season. I, I don't know. I think it gives you a little bit of – it gives you a little bit of a bridge there to the next year. Yeah, I'm hoping that he doesn't come back. After the, uh, the Warriors thing, I don't, need to see no, I don't need to see anything else. Let's just wait till next season. But it does seem like they're kind of determined – as much as possible to get the season back going. Like they're not going down without like a fight. They really want to have this uh, NBA playoffs. So do y'all think they'll end up having them? It'll be later on when they do it. So it won't be like the normal like April to June. It'll probably be like a June to August maybe. Yeah, see, I'm I'm confused as like how it's gonna work. I thought they should bring it back. Um, and I'd be interested to see how what you guys said. I thought they should just end the season right? Whoever's in the playoffs right now, today, you're in. 
if you've got, you know, like a half game situation going on, have those teams play a one game playoff to get into the playoffs and just start the finals as soon as you possibly can. And you're probably going to have to play without fans and it'll be over the summer, but everyone's going to watch it because there isn't anything else to watch. But yeah, just start the finals. But I think they're actually going to try to start, like try to play the rest of the regular season before they get to the finals, which are the playoffs, which I'm confused by how that's going to work at all. Uh, yeah, I, mm, I'm i not sure how that's going to work either. I, I like your format, but I also like the format too of, you know, just kind of waiting until like just starting the postseason in June and then kind of going into um, August and then redoing, well, not redoing, but starting up the next season. I think it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, one of the two. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, actually, it's the end of October. In October, yeah. Oh, no, that would be – I didn't even think about how you'd have to push back the next season. Uh, um, and I also thought when I saw one of the reports, I think it was on Twitter, it's like, yeah, they don't care. Hopefully we have a college football season. That definitely is the goal. But they don't care nothing about pushing, like, going into the college football season. That'd be interesting to see how they did with viewers and stuff like that. But I guess the NBA, a lot of that's done throughout the week. So it would affect it, but to an extent, obviously. Yeah, I yeah, TNT's is one of the major providers for the NBA too. So yeah, I don't think if you're football, you should worry at all about NBA stealing ratings from you, um, because I think by the time the football season rolls around, if football happens, let's just say football is going to happen, it's guaranteed, and that the NBA is going to push into the college football season. If you you're the NFL or the or any of the college football conferences, I don't think you should care at all about the NBA being pushed into your season. Because, A, I mean, football is the number one sport in this country. But you should just force the NBA's hand and make them move their games to midweek because you only play Saturday, Sunday in college football. Well, you get one NFL game on Thursday night, too, and a college football game on Thursday night. And sometimes, you know, you get Monday night football. Like, I don't – it shouldn't be too much of an issue with overlap as far as ratings go, but there. But, like, I think people are just going to be so ecstatic to watch any kind of sport. It might actually help if you have different leagues playing on different days of the week and they kind of work with each other to just play something every single night. That would be very nice. Yeah, yeah. I vow, though, whenever Brooklyn next season, not this year, next year when they go to the first round of the playoffs, I'm expecting them to be in the playoffs, I will be in the building. Because I want us to go to Barclays. I want to see what it looks like. And I feel like Kyrie, obviously Kevin Durant, whoever they bring in in free agency. And uh, who's the center? What's the center name for the Brooklyn? Talking about uh, um, DeAndre Jordan? Yeah, I want to see that. So I vow. So you heard him here first in the lead block. I will be there for the first playoff game next year. We'll see what happens from there. Yeah. All right. I'll shift gears again. I guess this this is probably what we're going to spend the rest of the show on here. <laughs> Matthew, you. I guess I'll let you start, and then we'll we'll go to Chris, and we'll come back to me. But and you can just kind of pick one segment, and we'll go through. This is what we really want to have Chris on. This is what we talked about last week. Uh, we talked a lot about the last dance last week, the first four episodes, the fifth and sixth happening this week. Um, you got to see a little bit of Kobe, a little Charles Barkley, uh, some more like stuff, some finally some stuff about MJ gambling. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, some other, there's a lot of other stuff in there too. We'll start with you, Matthew. Like what were your kind of favorite parts from episode five and six parts you hated? Um, if you hated any things you wanted more of things you wanted less of, if you would have been doing it, how would you change it around? Okay, we're going to go ahead and start off with how they start, start off with the whole Kobe Bryant thing. First of all, that Kobe Bryant is one cool dude. I don't know if y'all saw him do the handshake or whatever when he walked by Jordan. It's kind of like everybody else seems to oh, it's Jordan. Kobe's like, I mean, he's a guy, but I'm a guy too. Like that swagger, and that's back in 1998. So, that I mean, he was popping, but not here he is now. That dude's swagger. I was like, that's a cold. I was like, that is a cold dude. But anyway, I thought it was crazy that they were talking about Kobe in the locker room. And for Jordan to say how much Kobe would uh, shoot and everybody else is basically about to go get the rebound, for him to say that, that means Kobe must have really been, like, taking all the shots. So I thought that was crazy. Um, yeah, hold on. Yeah, I was, I, I'm with – like, for them to – what you just said was the part of the grass. But, like, for MJ to be sitting in the locker room, there's 
that was a good part of the – I think that was the best part of the Kobe segment that kind of wrapped up how MJ really thought about Kobe at that time. Yeah. For him to be sitting in the Bulls locker room before the game talking about how he's going to try to shut Kobe down is just that, – that's how, like – I mean, I think that just shows, shows you how really, like, hyped up Kobe was coming into the NBA his, his first few seasons. Yeah, what do you think? And how much MJ thought about him. Like, MJ was his hero. Like, he, he was, like, the guy that, you know, that he was – the, the torch was passing, so to speak. And, uh, like, that was kind of, like, what he thought of that. That was, that was crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, for me, the Kobe thing was sentimental. Um, there's no doubt about that. I think the only thing that I feel like I really enjoyed was – when they started talking about all the teams that he had to go against to get to the finals. Um, so he had to go against, you know, Clyde Drexler, Charles Barkley. I found that, you know, different because when I sit and I watch and I start comparing, okay, let me compare Michael, let me compare Kobe, let me compare LeBron. Um, and I'm watching, in my personal opinion, I'm like, Y'all gonna have to give me some more film because this is no competition for Jordan. In my personal opinion, I felt like LeBron probably went up, had a little bit more competition. Even Kobe had more competition during that time period for Jordan than when they had for their time periods for when it, the competition that they went up against. So going up against Clyde Drexler, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like during that time, that competition was deep and was heavy but given LeBron went up by himself against the San Antonio Spurs from like 07 to like 09 I mean if you can name me one person on that squad who's a superstar then we can talk but at the end of the day I don't see I I'm just like what is this I mean don't get me wrong no disrespect to Mike but you know, I'm just like, all right, man. You gotta get. I mean, the only competition that I felt like he faced, from what the documentary showed me, was the Bad Boys. That was it. Everybody else, he pretty much smoked. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting you say that. Okay. So with the Suns thing, I did not know that that that, that they faced Charles Barkley on that team, but it did kind of seem like Charles Barkley was the guy of that team. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of Allen Iverson in Philadelphia. Right. It's like he's the guy. Meanwhile, Michael has these other assets. And so it seemed like they had to kind of try to hype that that matchup up. Meanwhile, like you say, LeBron, especially LeBron, like whenever he faces Golden State, it's kind of like him willing a team literally by himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, also now with uh, the Knicks, I didn't definitely know the whole Patrick Ewing thing. This doc, uh, has really kind of informed me about what took place back then. Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying it's like okay Patrick Ewing but who else is on this team that everybody kind of knows about you know what I'm saying like the other legends that were on that squad and it's definitely important it was interesting his competitive nature whenever he's like I don't even want to be compared to that guy like that guy is yeah. nothing to me right so, yeah. yeah well I think like I don't know like well like when you compare I've just been like I've been listening to whatever show was on ESPN compare LeBron and Jordan for, I mean, we all have for the last like 20 years, but uh, especially over the last like month or two, since this is like came out, like just trying to com compare them. There are a lot of similarities like in how they, they work. And I think it'll always be that the older people, uh, the older crowd, the crowd is like, you know, 10 years older than us. We're all, you know, early twenties. Right. All, the crowd that's, like, older than us will always lean towards MJ, unless you're just a big Cavs fan, Lakers fan, Heat fan. Always lean towards MJ, and then the rest will, you know, everyone kind of younger than that are just going to lean towards LeBron. I don't think that's yeah, ever going to LeBron or Kobe. Yeah, yeah, well, Kobe too. Yeah, there's a good, like, middle group of where you get Kobe too. But uh, when you're talking about Charles Barkley, uh, Matthew – I thought that was – I love Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley's – like, we were talking the other night, like, me and Bernard were talking. That TNT – like, the group of, of guys on that TNT show are, is, like, some of my favorite personalities. I'm not a big basketball guy at all. Charles Barkley is one of my favorite sports personalities out there. I think he beats any – like, 99% of the people ESPN have on football talk. Probably everyone on football talk. 
and baseball talk. He's just had and Shaq as well because they actually have personalities and they show it and you know they're not afraid to kind of talk about like like trash talk each other like Shaq and and Chuck are always kind of going at it but like uh hearing Barkley talk about like those few times when he was playing Jordan and how he knew like it was a lot on he felt like it was a lot on him because he was the guy like you said earlier he was like the only guy in in Phoenix it wasn't like he was the guy he was like the only guy uh but I think it gives like Brendan said this the other day, and I think it gives a good perspective in the people in our age group to look back on Charles Barkley when Shaq is constantly ripping on for not having <laughs> any rings for like to for you to see like the competition Charles Barkley had to face to try to get a ring and for you to see the team that Charles Barkley had compared to the teams that he had to play um, right. versus like the teams that Shaq was on and the team, like the teams Shaq was on like when he was on the Lakers, they were the best team in the NBA. Like no question. It was expected to win a championship for Charles Barkley. Like they weren't going to be, the Suns weren't the, even close to the best team in the NBA at that time. Yeah. yeah I tend to agree. Also to switch gears a little bit with that dream team. I'd always heard of the dream team, but I didn't understand to the magnitude of how good they were. Definitely the roster and stuff. The Isaiah Thomas being left off the roster it kind of shows you that sometimes can be the bad side to being the most hated guy. Not, not to say the most hated, but definitely the bad boy approach that gets you left off some teams that you are qualified to be on. Also, I don't think many people understand, because I didn't, how good of a point guard Isaiah Thomas was in the NBA. Like, he's a name. You see him sometimes on ESPN. You obviously know he's a Hall of Famer, but it's like nobody really knew. So by them, kind of from Jordan saying, I think Jordan said he's the third best point guard to ever play. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it really enlightens you, okay, this, this this guy was obviously pretty good. I, I know then that time, whenever he got left off that team, then obviously they win the award. It's like, dang, I should have been on that team, but to each his own. But uh, y'all's perspectives of that dream team? All right. I would say this. All right. When I looked at that roster, because I never knew who was all, like, on that roster until yep. the documentary. I looked. I said, I know Christian Leitner is not on this roster. <laughs> and I thought about it. I was like, no disrespect to him. But at the same time, I'm like, how does Christian Leitner get beat out? I'm sorry, how does Isaiah Thomas get beat out by Christian Leitner? Dude, and I then, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, my bad. I um I like I literally just well in the in the like in the documentary they pin a lot of it. Like the way it's kind of set up, it looks like it's pinned a lot on like MJ said he wasn't gonna play if Isaiah Thomas was gonna play. Yeah. Like, I've read a bunch of – I've read some more stuff on it, listened to some more stuff on it, like, back from when it was actually happening. No, like, Isaiah was just hated by everyone else on that team. Like, it was never going to be a dream team and Isaiah because you were going to have Larry not play and Magic not play and MJ not play. And then there's no point in really, like, having some big dream team. Like, if you don't have the three best basketball players, you know, in the USA at the time – Mm-hmm. playing in 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 this uh in this game or in this in the olympics so there's like i just it's weird to like see how just how much they hated him i guess it's not strange but like and i respect the biggest thing that i respected about the whole thing was like all of those guys maybe other than magic i don't he seemed he seems like a easy forgive and forget dude but all of them still hate him to this day. Like Isaiah, like MJ still hates Isaiah, and that's and just, see that's the thing. It's I, like I, I get what happened back then. I'm, I'm you know being a, a former athlete, I get you know when you're doing unsportsmanlike kind of things, how bad that could brush you the wrong way. But that was what 30, 40 <laughs> years ago. Like, come on, man, let it go. It's okay. <laughs> But like, he'll never forget that. Those are just some of the biggest moments of his life. And you just got someone who's just, I don't know, like, you just hated at the time. And I don't know, it's probably hard to just let let that hate ever go because MJ will never – and, like, he's still – Isaiah Thomas still got championships. It wasn't like he can hold that over. Like, he never won anything. Like, he didn't win six, but still. Um, it's – that kind of hatred, I think, when you're just playing against each other, like, year in year out 
and you hate each other that much and you hated him, but then you also hated like the team that he was on and like represented and you hated the guys around him. Like that all just fuels like towards Isaiah Thomas. And then other guys that you were close with um, hated Isaiah as well. Like it wasn't just your problem with Isaiah. Like I just don't think you're ever going to get MJ or any of those guys to ever truly like be friends with Isaiah Thomas again, which I still like, I respect it. Like he's whole, he's held a grudge for 20, like you said, 25, 30 years now. I think that was like the most respectable thing that you could probably say about Isaiah Thomas is that MJ hated you so much. He still hates you today. Yeah. Yeah. And then also with this whole thing, I thought of the, uh, as far as the dream team, what was that? The guy's name from the foreign country that the Bulls drafted. Do you all remember his uh, name? Uh, Tim Kuko. I think that's his name. Yeah, Kuko. Dude, yeah. can you Kukoc, imagine? Like, okay, are right, we going to go play this team? I chose to stay at home, you know, because I think he was making more money. There was a civil war going on. And you go out here and play against Michael and Scotty, and they are just on your head relentlessly. Like, and, the, and then the, these are two of the top players in the world, and they're just on you relentlessly, almost bullying you to an extent. And like, literally, they're coming for your head, and you don't even like have any animosity towards them. It's and like, then like, the funny thing is, is it's not because they were they weren't going at him because of him. Yeah, they were going at him because Jerry Krause was like, "Hey, I'm going to bring him in." And kind of just move Michael and Scotty out the way, and so it was like so from Michael and Scotty's point of view, it was like, oh, see, we're not gonna come at you. We're gonna go at the player that you so googly out of. We're gonna show you why we deserve to be on this team. So I gave I, when I saw that, I gave MJ and uh, Pip mad respect for that because I was like, look, we're not gonna come at you. We're gonna show you on the court. Yeah, yeah. I like I thought I kind of felt bad for Kukoch like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really have anything to do with it and he was getting like and also it was like you have you have MJ like in and Scotty in the locker room like saying like hey like leave this guy for us like all right you got I think at some point there like there was no real there's a lot of like just blind hate from the two of them uh Scotty and MJ just towards this this guy uh because because of Jerry Krause but at the same time, it was like, we're playing, you know, I, he's playing the Kukoches, playing literally the best players in the world. Some still, like, people still say that, like, that was probably the best team ever created, right, in basketball. You're playing the best team ever created, and you are basically by yourself. Think about who Kukoch was playing with. Like, do you, no one else knows any of the – who are the other guys – that he was playing with. But I also thought about it this way. is like, I mean, if you're going to come play in the NBA, like you're going to have to like take some beatings like that you aren't used to, and you're going to have to beat NBA players. And if you can't do that, like if you can't at least have an okay game against, uh, against this team, then like, what are you going to do when you get to the NBA? You're probably just going to flame out. But he, and to Kukoc's credit, like he did come back later in the tournament and he had a pretty decent game against the Dream Team. So I that's just I mean, that just kind of speaks towards like his drive, I guess, and, and just kind of will to get to where he wanted to be. But uh yeah, and, and also like Jerry Krause was a total asshole about the whole thing. He's going after Kukoc. And meanwhile you got a guy on your team who's like the second best player in the NBA at the time and Scotty Pippen who you won't even have contract negotiations with, but you're out trying to sign a foreign guy who will one day hope to be half as good as Scottie Pippen is, like, if you are lucky. Like, he may be, may be half as Scottie Pippen. Yeah, I feel like that what's, – what's the uh, general manager's name again? Jim, what Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause, like, he – this brother did not – was not trying to be the most liked guy. Like, every single – it seemed like every single move he makes – was kind of like with a lot of opposition, but I guess one could say Danny Ainge is, I'm not going to say it's similar with malicious intent like that, but Danny Ainge does a lot of really unpopular things. And I keep seeing him pop up in the documentary too. He played mm -hmm. for which team? Which team did Danny Ainge play for? Well, he played for the Celtics and he was also, he was also, he was on the Suns team, right? Yeah, yeah, I keep seeing his name pop up, but I guess a lot of times with being the general manager, you have to kind of go against the grain and sometimes players don't like that necessarily, but that's kind of what comes. 
that's fine. But do it in a way to where you're winning. Like, don't break up. Like, it's the it's the slogan of saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So it's like, why why would you break up? You just got off a championship. Like, literally, you just got off a championship, and you're going to tell the head coach that just won you six. Well, what was it, five or six at the time? That wow. just won you six. Or five, excuse me. Yeah, you, it's going to be your last season. <laughs> what? That don't make sense. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, this is uh, kind of what me and Matthew were talking about last week. I said this last week is that, like, he does get paid. He gets painted in a terrible light in this documentary. But at the same time, like, Jerry Krause does deserve, like, a lot of the credit for getting this team together. Um, yeah. If not, like, I can't say most of the credit because uh, that probably goes to MJ and Phil. But, like, you, you literally put together, like, one of the best NBA basketball, like, at that time, the best NBA basketball team of all time. You won six times in, you know, 10 years, eight years, um, which is ridiculous. The only problem is he just wanted more credit than he was ever given at the time where he should have just sat back and kept going. And even if you got, even if he had a little grudge about it, just kept doing the things that he needed to do to make the Bulls keep winning. And then the day he stepped, the day that he stepped down from the Bulls or retired or whatever, he would have been remembered as the best GM of all time. And instead he's remembered as the guy who everyone on his team hated. Um, and, and I really don't know. And I've listened to a few other things. I really don't know that as many people hated Jerry Krause as there's kind of shown in this thing, uh, because there are a lot of people fans wise that's still uh, of, of articles that I've read and stuff that I've seen from it that, love Jerry Krause because he was able to get Chicago from nothing into a six-time NBA champion in a very, very short amount of time. I think with the documentary shows very well of what they were before, and then then you see the progression. And it was like, so with the very same power, obviously you have to give Michael Jordan and the guys a lot of credit. But with that same power that he brought the team together, he kind of tore them apart. And so I think there, there's a thing to be said about that. Also, when we talk about the branding of the sneakers, who would have ever guessed that Nike was like that? First of all, Jordan did not even want to get on the plane, but his mom, you know, sometimes they say your mother knows best. That she <laughs> told him to get on the plane, and that ends up happening, that he really wanted to be with Adidas and Converse. I think Converse was the shoe at that time, right? Yeah. Right? Who would have guessed? It's like, like now the power is completely shifted to the point I think uh, – I know Jordan, I mean, Nike made about $3 billion or something like that, and I think Yeezy made one point five. But it's like now those guys are nowhere even near. But it just shows how time evolves. I think Puma's trying to get into the, the spill now. And also a little fun fact, and I want to hear y'all comments, Carmelo Anthony apparently was the first basketball player that was signed to the Jordan brand. So that, that that's like modern day. But, yeah, so let's hear y'all uh, comments on the whole branding thing. Uh, I – Look, like you just said, your mom knows best. So I think it was a good thing that he went on that plane and hit, well, um, listen to him just to kind of see, like, okay, what are you guys talking about? You know, basically show me the money yeah. um, as usual. It, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it turned out great. I, I feel like if he would have went to Adidas, I don't think it would have had the same impact. There as, would be no Jordan Brand if he was an Adidas athlete. Exactly. So it – it bode well why he, where he went and why he went with what he went with. So yeah, yeah, and I mean his agent did a really good job of getting that deal. He was like, "Look, we're, we'll come to Nike, but we want an exclusive Jordan brand." And they had the Air whatevers, and they're like, "All right, we'll just call it Air Jordan." Right. And I mean that though, I thought that like that to, that kind of stuff to me was I would rather see an episode about that particular deal and everything that went in it, then that's my biggest criticism of this documentary so far is it's too broad and it's too much of telling just history versus telling me something I don't know and giving me an inside of the things that were actually going on. I would have rather had an entire hour on everything that went down in the deal, who was there, what was said, what were the hardest parts for Jordan? Where was he really thinking about backing out? what everything that his agent put in that, you know, he would have never gotten anywhere else, what Adidas was offering him, what, you know, Converse was offering him. I would have loved to seen just a full hour, like episode five, like 
making the Jordan brand an episode. And then the other thing um, we want to shift gears to now is his gambling. Like that, and I said this last week, Matthew, I think there should be at least two or three episodes on how Michael Jordan is everything that people thought about his gambling, how much he was gambling, how much he was spending. That is the most notorious thing about Michael Jordan. Every time someone talks about Michael Jordan, gambling is somewhere in the conversation. If you're sitting down having a conversation with him off the court, gambling is the first thing to come up. And what you, instead of a full episode, this is my biggest criticism with this thing so far, is instead of a full episode of that, we got like 20 minutes of it that was pretty good, but it just left me like, I want to know more of like, where was he going? Like, which casinos did he go to the most? Like, who did he go with the most? Like, how much was he spending every night? Um, when he, who, what other NBA superstars did he go out with the most? Like, was it, um, I mean, Magic said he played cards with them every night in when they were in the dream team. Was he going out to Vegas with Magic and playing cards a lot in the offseason in the summer? Or was it some other guy that no one knows of? Like, those are the kind of things I wanted to hear more of and we just didn't get. Uh, and that's kind of frustrating to me. That's been the biggest frustration with me of this whole thing. It's a really good retelling of the story, but I would rather have a new story sometimes. And see, yeah. the thing is, you have to you have to look at it this way. Um, it's not so much his gambling, but his competitive drive. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I saw saying, like gambling in a bad light. Like, I, yeah. people love gambling right now. Like, mm-hmm. sports gambling is going absolutely bananas. You put out an hour-long, two-hour-long documentary on how Michael Jordan gambles and what he does, what he still gambles to this day – then Michael Jordan becomes like almost he he could recreate himself from being a shoe guy, basketball guy to literally just a gambling guy. And you will have, I don't know, Michael Jordan casinos for the next 800 centuries. Like that's, they, that's just what I wanted to see him grasp. And they didn't. And see, that's the thing. It, that's OK. And that's that's fine and dandy. But, you know, as my mom always said, too much of one thing is bad for you. So the one thing that I saw throughout what what I took in from documentary was yeah it, it was okay to gamble but when you're gambling literally after every game you're gambling every weekend you're gambling almost 25-8 and it's like okay it, that's that's a bit much when you're gambling to see who can brush their teeth the fastest that's that's a bit you know on the extreme side so it's like how I looked at it I took it as you know, just his competitive drive to, you know, I'm not even going to beat you on the court. I can beat you someplace else. And for some people that look at it, it's like, okay, this might be a little something, you know, wrong with him. Because it's like, <laughs> what compels you to always want to be competitive? And it also goes back to and what a lot of people didn't realize is I was looking at this on Twitter and a lot of people were saying about this. It goes back to that first episode when he was competing with his brother for his dad's attention yeah i mean it 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 always goes back to you know that childhood i guess you could say quote unquote trauma so for him it was i had to fight for you know my dad's attention over my little over my older brother so now that kind of just seeps into his adulthood to that where now it's like all i'm gonna do is compete on the court and i'm gonna compete in the casinos that's it yeah i'll say one more thing matthew i'll give it to you um yeah, I, I think a lot of people would, like, think less of him if they showed more of the gambling stuff. That's almost why, like, I want them to just show more of it. I think you'd have a lot of people that like him more, and you'd have a lot of people that hate him more. And I think the thing with MJ, like, no one really hates him, which is good for him, I guess. But he, I, like, I don't, also don't think he really cares. Mm-hmm. And it's just I think people are scared sometimes – like, as in, not not the public, I think journalists, documentary makers, storytellers are scared to be critical of guys like an MJ or a LeBron because they're scared of what they'll think of them. Um, so, like, but if you're a reporter, I mean, you got to do your job and, like, tell the story. And it would have been cool to hear MJ talk about, sit down and say, like, yeah, I mean, we were going through like $3 million at night, like every night during this two-week span, and we went to this casino and did that. I just wanted more of it, and we didn't get it. But that, I mean, that's just my opinion. 
What do you think about Melvin Matthew? Like, what do you learn out of that part of it? Oh, uh, yeah, about the gambling, the hyper-competitiveness. It also showed, like, a, a tidbit of what we see now as far as uh, the scrutiny. It showed a lot of the scrutiny of him going out and this, that, and the third being all over the newspapers. It's like now we have social media. So that's on a whole nother level. I will say about the whole gambling thing, and even if you want to talk about with him not supporting that African-American candidate, it's like Jordan had a lot of control over what was said. So he's like, we'll talk about it. We're going to go into it. But I'm not going to give y'all so much information that they, therefore y'all are scolding me on something that happened like 20, 30 years ago. So with him, he's like, I'm gonna, we're going to brush over it because I don't want it to seem like I'm scared to talk about, address any topic. But we're not going to go but so much in depth. And because it was completely up to him as far as what gets aired and what doesn't get aired. And so it's like – and I think that was part of the agreement for them for uh, filming the documentary. Well, filming, obviously, the video during that time. So it's like, y'all kind of playing my game. So it's like, I will run this by my PR, and we'll let y'all know what, what's going to stick and what's not going to stick. Y'all, we're going to go over it, because I don't want anybody to think that I'm scared of it. But we're not going to go into it to a point where it's like people are starting to come at me. Like, I thought it was great that he even talked about the whole black cat, uh, the whole thing with him not standing for social justice and things like that. Yeah, I, I was surprised he talked about it because honestly, if it was my documentary, that would be nowhere near. But mm-hmm. it just, and I think that, but that thing really, now that we've seen what LeBron and guys like that do, it almost appears that nowadays that's unacceptable. And so I definitely, I definitely tuned into that. I was like, ooh, and I know he took a beating for that. And I feel like people appreciate LeBron more now uh, nowadays for obviously addressing those topics and speaking out against using his platform. Yeah, I think like, uh, well, hey, well, I'll say this, A, what you just said about, like, his him having control over it and his production company, like, being in charge of it. Like, I think you do have to take the documentary with a grain of salt just because of that because a lot of the story of MJ is getting left out because he has control over the bad parts that aren't going to be in there. And those are more the parts that I want to see. I want to see the stuff. That, <laughs> I mean, I like, I think you should have a good and bad to each story. And a lot of this is just, like, MJ kind of kissing his own ass, which is cool. Like, he's you know, one of the greatest athletes, period, of all time, not just basketball player. Um, but I want to see some of the bad stuff, too. And then I'll say the stuff about the, the candidate, the, uh, the the guy was running for Senate, right? State senator? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, and he didn't have an opinion on it. I think, like, what David Aldridge, I think, kind of summed up, said about, kind of summed up how I think MJ felt was that, like, he just didn't know the guy. And he wasn't going to come out and say, like, yeah, I love this guy just because he had connections and people wanted him to say he just loved this guy. Um, I think – and, like, he made a large contribution to his – well, I don't know how large. He said it was large. I guess for M- – if MJ said it's large, it's probably astronomical for us. I Like, I don't know. I think it's okay for people, like, even if you're in that spotlight, I think it's okay for people to not have that much of a political thing. Now, saying that – and it shows you who that guy was running against, the uh, the old, uh, old whatever old white guy it was. I think if MJ knew who the guy, like, knew anything about the situation, like, I just don't think he just wasn't very well informed on, like, who was even running, nor did he really care at the time. If he knew who the guy who was running against, I'm sure MJ would have been wearing, like, the, the, uh, the black guy's, like, campaign stuff everywhere he went. So, like, I just – I think it was fine for him to just not have an opinion on it at the time. Chris, what you think? I, I would say this. I mean, you know, it's okay to not talk about something that you don't know. But yeah. I also say this, you know, make an effort. You know, saying, you know, Republicans buy shoes too. That <laughs> that had to be the most selfish thing I've ever heard from an athlete ever. I was like, dude, granted, you know, it's already it, – during that time, it was already hard for a brother to get that kind of position. So it's like, dude, you know, kind of, you know, you don't know him. Okay, cool. Make the connection, you know, network, as yeah. you know, everyone nowadays says, you know, network, get to know him, you know, see who he is as a person, see who, who he is as a politician. Like, just to say, oh, Republicans buy shoes too. Like, I was like, come on, man. I mean, it's a bit radical, don't you think? That's the thing, the thing that you're saying there, I think, is the biggest thing people wanted is for him to, like, just – try to like make that connection and instead of him just kind of saying that like exactly which is funny and that is mj but like people people wanted him to kind of just be like okay like everyone's talking about this guy at least let me like go have lunch with him or something 
I think that's what more like people would say say about that situation. And like, he probably should have just he probably should have done that. Like, I I don't know. Like, you had he had a huge huge voice. I don't think he had to come out and say anything about the guy. I think he could have just you know shown up at the guy's events once or twice, and people would have been like, "Lunches with this guy." Like, you know, anything was better than saying that. I, I'm sitting there, sitting here con- contemplating would it have been better for him not to say anything than to say the whole uh, Republicans buy shoes thing? Yeah. Because if you don't say anything, it's kind of like where does he stand? But you say that, it's kind of like really. And I feel like, you, but I, I would say he probably lost some fans or whatnot. But in the grand scheme thing it doesn't really matter. Are you gonna read Jordan Rules the book? Yeah, uh, mm, probably not. That was that was a pretty good part um, too about. I've I've heard that book is very very good. I think if that book were a documentary, that gives you that would be something I would more like because it's super critical of Jordan in certain parts. Um, which I think would just be cool to see the stuff that like, he doesn't want people to know about him. I, I think those are the most important things about people sometimes like seeing the stuff that people other that they don't want other people to know about them that really kind of give you a rounded look at them uh, versus kind of the one sided like look of MJ. And like I think MJ is scared that people won't like him sometimes. I think he doesn't care that people like him. But I think he's also a little scared that people won't like him, which, I mean, he's probably right in some areas. Uh, for myself, like, if I just, like, if, I, like, if everybody makes mistakes, so, like, if there's parts of you that you don't like about yourself, like, even though I may not like them about you, it doesn't mean I'm, like, not going to be a fan of yours or whatever. I think he's a little nervous on that, and I think that's why you just don't see the kind of stuff that I've been saying that I want to see more of, like, the negative stuff. Yeah, he ain't nervous because he's it's, it's the shoe sales, not shoe sales, but it's the, yeah, it's the yeah. revenue. That's what it is. He's scared that by people seeing so much of the bad stuff, it's like, you know what? Let me put these 12s down. Let me go pick up that Nike airbags because I'm not too fond of, you know, Jordan right about now. And I'll say this. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Jordan. I get that. But the way that y'all do Kobe, did Kobe, excuse me, the way that y'all do LeBron, they give the good, they give the bad. So yep. it's not like a, you know, oh, oh we're going to just talk about the good all about Kobe. Oh, we're going to talk all about the good about LeBron. No, you get – you both of them catch, you know, both of them. But with Jordan, oh, don't talk bad about Jordan. It's like, all right, now. Nah. So it's not more so – it's not so more Jordan. It's the people who are speaking on his behalf to where it's the points where it's like, you know what, we're not going to talk bad about Jordan. For what? I mean, you talk bad about LeBron, you talk bad about Kobe, do the same. Yeah, because yeah. even if you were to, uh, before watching this documentary, I mean, obviously besides some of the gambling talk, you would have thought this brother won six championships all by himself. Obviously, he has Scottie Pippen and stuff. But you sit there and watch this thing, it's like he was winning MVPs and things like that. But it's like he had to start giving the ball a little bit. Like Phil Jackson was like, right. the ball. And so that whole part is completely – and, like, when LeBron, if he makes a pass at the end of the game, the guy missed the shot, they're like, LeBron, take the shot. But Jordan did the very same thing, and it was like – but back then, like they say, they didn't have these 24-hour sport thing and the Twitter and all that. Yeah. But, yeah, so – which is – that's why I'm such a big point. I'm going to mention this again with that scrutiny thing. It's like he did experience a lot of scrutiny, and whenever he was kicked up in the uh, hotel and he was like, it's the only time I get some peace – I, and obviously, it was a large scale, but it's like, I wonder if him and LeBron were having that conversation, how different would it be? Because LeBron gets it 24 hours a day, obviously kind of very in a lot of very similar. That's what I would say. Uh, and it just so happens that LeBron, one thing we can always kind of go back to is obviously he's dominant on the court, but then the I promise school and stuff like that. I'm kind of surprised Jordan, like, obviously, it'd be great regardless, but he didn't throw like a, a promise school or something like that uh, just for PR. Like now, because like, why wouldn't you? It, it would be an excellent move. Okay, maybe I didn't get it back then, but now that I understand it, it's like, okay, let me go ahead and get started now. Like the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head that Jordan does is when uh, it was that bad hurricane that came through a couple years back. It hit Wilmington real bad. I think it was was it Michael? It might have been Michael. Matt, Matt was it Hurricane Matthew? Oh, one of those, one of those hurricanes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was you, Matthew. And, and then I, I saw it, like on Twitter, you know, he's passing out bags, passing out food. I'm like, oh, look at him. But you're not gonna build, you're not gonna help build, build no shelters. You making 1.1 billion dollars. I was like, okay, so that's all you do. 
Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, he just doesn't do that kind of stuff, man. I, I mean, I guess it's his choice, but like, I, I'd love to see some more of that and people like hate on him for that in the documentary. I, I just think it'll be interesting. Not that. Yeah, like, I think it's interesting. I just thought about this: how he despised Jay Krause throughout the whole film. Like, oh, Jay Krause did this. Jay Krause did that. You're basically doing the same. You basically did the same thing with the Hornets. Basically, if I'm not saying Kimba. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. But, and then that's that's the that's the part that I found out. And I started thinking. I started doing research. I said, okay, you know, no disrespect, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick Batum. I mean, he's a you know decent average you know kind of player. But you're paying him a hundred million dollars, and you could barely pay Kimba half of that. And I'm like, it. See, the thing was, what I noticed about the film too. The film was so much geared towards Jerry Krause because he was making majority of the moves. But what a lot of people got to realize is when you're the owner, so not Jerry Krause, but I forgot the guy's name, the one guy above him. He's the owner of the team. So if you see that he's doing this, don't you think you want to step in? Yeah. You're the owner. So it's like, I get Jerry Krause is the one that's making the moves. But if I see the person below me is doing some dirty work, it's like, okay, either you got to go or you got to change one or the other. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, Chris. I, I meant to bring that up earlier. Like, it's not like Jerry Krause was doing everything by himself. Ryan, Jerry Reinsdorf knew every single move. Like, you can bet. Like, if you owned an NBA franchise, wouldn't you know everything your GM is doing? Wouldn't they have to exactly. call you first? Exactly. Right? So he knew every single thing, and Jerry Krause took a lot of the heat for a lot of the, you know, moves that he made. And who's not to say that, like, Jerry Reinsdorf wasn't behind Jerry Krause's ear saying, look, man, we're like, we need to, we're, we're not paying Scott. Like, it's just not worth it. I think there's a, a, you know, a strong possibility, like a 90% chance that he was doing that. Cause it's the same thing. And that's kind of happening now. Like with the whole Kimba thing that went down, it wasn't Mitch Kupchak that got the black for it. It was Michael Jordan, the owner. So it's, it's kind of like a, like a karma kind of thing. It's like I get you know the guy was trying to break you guys up, and there's there's nothing wrong with how you feel. But all I'm saying is, if you're gonna hate this dude, you might want to look at the dude above him who's basically cutting all the checks. So I'm, like, I mean, that's just how I'm thinking. So it's like, okay, I got that's a real thing. And one of my uncles was telling me who's big in like business and stuff. There's one thing to win a championship team as an owner. There's no one to finance one. It's like at some point, it's like, what do you really want to do? Because if your point here is to make money, then it's like, ooh, Kimba, that's going to cost a lot. And I'm kind of trying to keep this revenue going as yeah. far as like paying him the max money to potentially get you a championship. And then that gets into like, what, like your fan support and all that other kinds of stuff. But yeah, those are two very different things. And that's why you always hear a lot of teams in the NFL, you hear about a lot, sometimes in NBA, it's like there's about eight to 10 teams that are really trying to compete for the championship. Yeah, well, you can tell, you know, the own, there are owners in sport who want to win, and there are those who want to make money. And you can tell a difference, right? You got Robert Kraft in New England wanted to win. The owners before him just didn't really, they, like, winning didn't drive them, right? Um, it's the same with the people who bought the Cubs in 2010, 2012. Like, those guys wanted to win. They weren't paying to keep the Cubs, like, as their pet project, like, they wanted to win a championship. Went out, hired the best GMs, hired, got the, found the best players, and they won. Like there are difference in the, the management team, the management owners who want to win, and the ones who want to make money off of a sports team. And if you're getting into owning a franchise to just to make money, you're probably in it for the wrong reasons. Because yes, I agree. Like if you hear anyone talk about owning a sports franchise. I mean, a lot of those guys take a bath on a lot of seasons. Like, if you're good, but if you want to win, you got to be committed to winning. It starts at the very tip top. Yeah. And I'm gonna give you a prime example. Then we're gonna switch gears to the NFL for just a second. This is what a lot of Packer fans are starting to wonder. Because it's like, okay, so we're one game away from the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, NFC Championship game, and we clearly need a lot of different positions. But it's like, like but we're gonna go get Jordan Love. It's like, okay, we're trying to stay afloat. We're not trying to go get this championship next year by adding in a guy that we uh, think they gave him 300-something yards rushing or whatever. I 
I don't know exactly, but it's like y'all, aren't, we're not trying to like take the top roof off the take the top off the roof. We're instead just trying to okay, we'll secure Jordan Love. We'll kind of like remain like even kill. But I feel like that's a tough thing once you're a fan because you know a fan wants to win. Like fan don't care about the money. Like, I'm paying for my tickets. Like I'm doing yeah, my due diligence. But it's like as a fan when you realize your team is up for here trying to make money and not oh my gosh like that that's whenever folks start hopping off the bandwagon because at that point it's kind of like I'm chasing my tail here. So who do y'all think caught the most slack? Well, who do you think is catching the most, like, uh-oh kind of moment? Carson Wentz or Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Rodgers is fine. Because um, Jordan Love's going to suck. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think Wentz a little. I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not one way or the other yet on Jalen Hurts. I, like, he could be good. He had really good moments in, in college. Um, he had really eh, just slightly above average moments in college, too. Um, but Carson Wentz. slightly above? Oh, man. Well, like his, worst moment, his worst moments were slightly above. So, uh, but Carson Wentz is, like, I don't know if you want a guy who's getting injured every year and to be here. We've seen him, like, have one really good season but he's only really had one really good season. I think I think Carson like, Wentz is, he didn't have anyone to throw to. So yeah, Carson Wentz is he needs to be doing everything he can to secure his start job oh, yeah. cuz it's going to get quick fast in a hurry. Yeah. Cuz granted Jalen Hurts you have to did y'all y'all watch the draft? Like y'all watched it from round 1 to round 7? I watched some I watched of it. about 3ish. Y'all watched Jalen Hurts get drafted? Yeah, yeah, I saw. Mm, I saw a recap video. I think I saw him get drafted. You had to watch his face when he got drafted. It wasn't like a "Ooh, I got drafted." It was like y'all really just drafted me round two, and I'm probably one of the best quarterbacks in this draft. So it was like, so if you remember that 2013 LeBron when he was going up against Celtics, and there's that meme of him on his on his knees, and he's looking up like a like. Mad. That's yeah. the same look that Jalen Hurst had. Oh yeah, and I'm like, uh oh. That's the same one. Lamar, <laughs> Lamar Jackson got drafted. He's kind of like, okay, okay, yeah, no, that's a determined guy. Like Jalen Hurst is so yes. like he's so even kill with it. Kind of like, all right, bet. Like everybody, like it's like, bro, show some emotion. Be excited, please, for us. Just, but nah, don't show no emotion. Just show it on the field. <laughs> yeah, it's no a mistake. Of Jalen Hurts will. I can guarantee you it doesn't matter how hard Carson Wentz tries this offseason to be the best quarterback he can be. He will not outwork Jalen Hurts. I can, oh, I can no. guarantee you. Like, <laughs> I give Carson Wentz this next year coming him. up to, you know, kind of see how everything fits. But 2022, Carson Wentz will not be starting. Yep. Ooh, Finish, and now on the lead block. <laughs> I take from Chris Lousley. Like, you love to see it. <laughs> well, we're going to end with that because we're running a little long. But, uh, Chris, thank you for joining us again. No problem. No problem. Um, Matthew, good to talk to you as always. Uh, But Matthew and I will see you next week probably. Um, And make sure you're following the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Follow Matthew at Matthew Chosen one with the number one. Follow Chris at – what was yours, Chris? Chris Lyles underscore. Chris Lyles underscore. Um, Myself at Tyler Walter CNR. And I think that's it. We will see you next week. Thanks to Ben Sound uh, for the intro announcements. Good call, Matthew. Peace. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.